Listen, it can be tough to transition from student to professional nurse, which is why I want to tell you about HCA Healthcare's Nurse Residency Program. This program supports new grad nursing students at the early stages of their careers. HCA Healthcare's year-long Nurse Residency Program helps first-year nurses transition from the classroom to working in the field with confidence. Plus, nursing residents get access to a range of opportunities to learn from specialists in various areas such as ER, critical care, and surgical services, as well as a variety of other great employment benefits. Learn more today at careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare is an equal opportunity employer. Now onto the episode. Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume Rx, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Hey friend, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Gorneri, as always. So excited to have you tuning in today. And as always, I'm I'm always excited when I have a guest to share with you. So this episode today is with Audrey Creaky, who is a nurse practitioner. She is actually one of the mentors inside of the NP Society. She's become a friend of mine, and she has wisdom to share in the world of personal finance. So this is a topic that we haven't really unpacked much on the podcast, but a topic that I think is so, so important for us as we consider what to do with our money. The majority of us are earning money. The majority of us have financial obligations and financial goals. And so this episode is really meant to help you kind of understand where you can go financially and and really starting from from the basics. This isn't a super high level money topic that we're going to talk about. Very entry level intro, whether you have student debt or whether you don't have student debt and you're kind of wondering how to make your money work for you. I think you'll find this episode really valuable. So a little bit about Audrey. She is a doctorally prepared FNP who works in primary care internal medicine, and her struggle with six-figure student debt while starting a new career really led her to deep dive into the world of personal finance, and she eventually became debt-free in under four years while building a retirement portfolio, which is super impressive. She's passionate about sharing her strategies for creating financial security and growth that can really help any nursing professional align their money with their life goals. That's a theme that you'll hear come up a lot in this episode. 
In her clinical career, she focuses her work on quality improvement, lifestyle medicine, and mentoring new NPs. And Dr. Creaky is also a mentor inside of the NP Society. So I really hope you love and enjoy this episode. We also have a new way that you can support the podcast. If this content is helpful for you and you want a way to say thank you, I have a page at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. It's just a nice way that if you want to support the content we create here on the podcast, you can buy me a coffee. So without further ado, let's get into Audrey's episode. Hi, Audrey. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. You and I have chatted a lot. We've done a lot of work together but never in a recorded type of type of place. So this is kind of new for us, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to talk to you not only about your journey as an NP, but also to kind of dive into this area, which has become kind of like a specialty area of knowledge for you in terms of personal finance. So I think this is going to be really valuable and helpful for pretty much anybody who's, who's listening. Yeah, I'm excited. So I want to first start by having you introduce yourself in your own words. I've, you know, given your formal bio in the introduction, but tell us who you are, kind of what you do, your nursing background, and then we'll go from there. Right. So, um, well, I'm a nurse practitioner working primarily in internal medicine, primary care. I've been practicing for almost five years now as a nurse practitioner. I am a second degree nurse uh, originally. So in a previous life, I was a philosophy classics major. (laughs) So after doing some clinical research, I went back to school um, at the University of Pennsylvania, got an accelerated BSN and then um, started my nursing journey from there. So I've been a nurse probably now, oh gosh, over 12 years total. I can't believe I'm saying that, but that's really, (laughs) it's been an interesting career. I worked in the ICU for a while prior to going back to grad school to be an NP. And then it's been primary care the whole way since then. Awesome. You and I have that thing in common of us being, you know, second career, second career nurses with degrees in like very specific humanities subjects. Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was really like thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to be a professor, you know, this is going to be great. And then it's just like, no, you know, you have this kind of like awakening sometimes where you're like, this is not what I thought it was going to be with this career path. And um, luckily I landed in a really amazing clinical research job after college. And it kind of opened my eyes to all of the opportunities that were possible in healthcare. And that's where I sat on nursing because there's just so many ways to diversify. Mm-hmm. And I have such like a curious mind. I never wanted to contain myself to any one thing. So it seemed like a super flexible career for that. Yeah, for sure. And being a professor and wanting to teach and educate, you know, it kind of translates to our world where we're teaching and educating, you know, either our patients or in, in this case, other nurses, other nurse practitioners, other peers. So I want to kind of uncover that story a little bit and kind of talk about where your interest in finance came from, like what was the personal motivators? And then, yeah, just tell us that story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was fortunate enough to graduate with my first, you know, bachelor's degree, traditional college degree, debt-free, you know, for the support of my parents at the time. Right. But it really, you know, I would say my major financial journey really began when I was doing that second degree. Right. Um, I was living in Philadelphia and I had saved up some money to kind of finance my living expenses, but it was my first real experience with 
you know, taking on student loan debt and figuring out like some pretty big financial decisions um, <laughs> when you're young and inexperienced in that way. Right. I like, I think I had just gotten a credit card. Right. I mean, like I just did not have that much experience. So when I did the degree, you know, I was really focused on having, you know, a great educational experience. And I have to say like Penn was like the top educational experience of like, you know, so far, I mean, it was just an amazing time. So like totally worth it to make that investment. But on the back end of it is really when I started to realize the impact of some of those decisions and also how you can feel like you've done all of the steps you're supposed to do in our society in terms of getting your degree and investing in your career and all these things. Right. And then you're like, but I have no idea how to make a life out of this. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the financial limitations that can come from those decisions. Right. So what really was an awakening is I graduated and then I moved back to the Pittsburgh area, which is where I got my first degree. And I got a job as a nurse in a local hospital. And I was like, I made it, you know, this is my first job. And I called my credit card just to get an increase in the limit, right? Like I don't really have credit card debt. That's never been an issue for me before, but I wanted to increase my credit card limit. And because of my student loans, and then I guess, you know, how much I was making as the nurse, as a nurse in comparison to that, they wouldn't give me more than $500 more than where I was at. Wow. Right. And so that was where I was like, but I have a great job, right? Like I have a stable career. You, you know, it's all I have is student debt. And at that point I had a small car loan as well, but it wasn't like I was leveraged out the wazoo, you know what I mean? And it really hit me. Um, that there is a financial game out there that you have to learn how to play. And very quickly, you can get in over your head on a lot of things. Yeah. That can affect your ability to progress through the rest of your life. So um, that was really when it all began <laughs> in terms of delving into personal finance. So, yeah, for sure. And ballpark area, I don't want to put you on the spot, but like yeah. when you graduated from that program, how many figures were you looking at in oh, terms yeah. of your student debt? Yeah, I have no problem with saying the numbers pretty transparent about this stuff. I had about $75,000 in, uh, in loans from that accelerated BSN program, mm -hmm. knowing that I eventually was probably going to go back for uh, a master's or a doctoral degree for nurse practitioner or something like that. That was ultimately the career goal. Um, but that first step was around 75 K. And then I had a car loan that was around $7,000 at that time. Cause when I was living in Philly, I didn't need a car, but when I moved out to Pittsburgh, I got one, but, um, so that was roughly the debt burden that I had at that time. And, but my monthly payments were not overwhelming. I had, you know, kind of consolidated and strategized to make mm -hmm. that more manageable. So after that kind of moment of, my gosh, the, the credit card company won't, won't give yeah. me any more, any more leeway. Did you like come up with a plan? Were you getting serious about paying things off or, you know, at, at what point did you... Did you take things more seriously? Like, did you pay your debt off before you went back to NP school? What did that all look like? Yeah. So um, after having that experience, I started just really reading as much as I could. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are students for life, right? So I hit the book, so to speak. And I read, you know, a lot of the kind of like, you know, popular personal finance people, right? Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, you know, like these people that you see everywhere in the media, and there was some really great nuggets that I learned from them, but I didn't really feel like any of them 
kind of spoke to my situation. I always felt like they were made for like a little bit of a different generation or maybe a different, you know, mindset than mine. Right. And so I kind of like took little bits and pieces trying to make it my own. And I think that's what really ultimately is what made me so successful in navigating my way out of that. Right. So basically my next focus was creating some kind of financial security for myself. Right. So when I realized that I wasn't in a position, you know, to financial institutions to be attractive for more leverage, right. You know, in terms of if I was in a, in a pickle, you know, and I had something happen, I wasn't going to be able to get a lot of resources. Um, That's when I realized I had to create my own. Right. And so I really focused first on creating an emergency fund because I really didn't have a lot of savings at that point. And then I just went into, into like accelerated debt payoff. And luckily with, you know, my lifestyle at the time and everything, I was able to really focus on getting the car loan paid off first. I did so about $7,000, I paid that off in a year. And that was a relief, right? Because it's depreciating. So you're like, I can just feel the money leaking out of my car as I drive. And then that's when I really went, you know, all in on the student loans. In terms of the personal finance journey, what I really learned at that time was the power of aligning my financial decision-making and my money behaviors with what my goals were. and. I didn't have, you know, a super high paying job as a nurse. I didn't have, you know, like, you know, like a sweet job, you know, where you're making like six figures right out of the gate. And I really had to get clear on where the money was going to go every month, right? There wasn't unlimited resources. But having to go through that process is what made it so much easier to make all of the next steps that I made. Yeah. And so that's really where a lot of this, um, when I talk about like aligned success and aligned wealth, it's really aligning your, your values to your financial behaviors. Mm -hmm. And then from there, it's just like checking things off a list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So did you kind of go into it with very short-term goals or did you have like a very clear long-term vision? Like how did you where did you get your motivation from? Was it like, I want to be debt-free so that I can, you know, buy a house or go on vacation? Or was it long-term, like I want to retire early? Like where on the spectrum of, of goal setting were you? Yeah. I think in the beginning, it was much more of a short-term goal. It was more survival (laughs) focused, right? Like how can I make it so that I can handle things that come my way financially in my life. And also knowing that I was going to go back to school, right. And take on some more debt probably. So my first goal was to chip away as much as I possibly could before I went back to grad school. And that was probably like a two, two and a half year period of working as a bedside nurse while I was doing that, because I really didn't want to be in the same position on the back end of that degree where I was just like financially stuck again. I wanted to create some more momentum and a really good strategy going into my graduate education so that I kind of had a better game plan about how to take out loans and whatnot. But once I think really the turning point was when I met my husband. So (laughs) um, I met him probably a year after I had started um, my nursing career here in Pittsburgh. And when we met and we realized, Hey, we're, you know, this is, you know, the person I'm going to marry, I'm in this, right. You start having all these dreams about what you want your life to look like. And it starts to become a little bit more concrete, right? Like this next phase of what you want. And, um, 
we were both really clear that we just, we didn't want to have to necessarily make decisions in our lives based upon money, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted to be making our life decisions from a place of, you know, confidence and financial control, right? So that we were in the driver's seat and we weren't reacting to all of the other pressures that were happening in life, right? And so he's an engineer. So, you know, spreadsheets are his jam and he like just can make these amazing like equations that are, you know, barely any numbers sometimes, right. It's just like a lot of symbols. So, um, but he is really great at doing the kind of analytic, you know, calculation work. And I'm really good at the vision, right. And the strategy. So when we, we met and we were like, Hey, we're going to get married and we're going to do this together that's when the rubber really met the road, I think, in terms of creating more of a long-term vision. Yeah. So our first goal was making sure that we had, you know, we were in the driver's seat of our finances by eliminating a lot of our debt, creating what we call like a freedom net, right? So a lot of people talk about a safety net, but I'm like, no, I want this to be the way that I have freedom in my Mm -hmm. life, right? To make the decisions that are, yeah, that are aligned with me instead of, you know, like I said, the other forces that happen. So the first was, yeah, become debt-free and then create a savings and investment engine so that we have the opportunity to back off of our careers at some point and really navigate, you know, life in a way that is more comfortable for us and our family. Yeah. I love that. I really, you know, I was going to, before you mentioned it, or if you hadn't mentioned it, I was going to ask, you know, about meeting your husband and kind of what that did to your, your motivation, because I think that it can be a really, it's a good, it's an important conversation to have with, you know, potential partners talking about these types of things, because you and your partner can either be really aligned and, and your partnership is like synergistic and you can do great things by, by planning your finances together, or, you know, it's possible that there's a complete misalignment, which can be such a cause for, for conflict in, Mm. in the partnership. So it sounds like you're both from the beginning, like had very similar values in terms of the role that finances were going to play in your life. Yeah. I think he also met me at a time when I was really working through a lot of that foundational stuff in terms of determining my values and financial behaviors and those kinds of things and doing a lot of research. So it was like a hobby for me for a while. So (laughs) he didn't have a choice. He had to hear about these things, but you're right. Like we are very fortunate that there wasn't a lot of differences in our, you know, financial mindsets going in. But yeah, uh, that was definitely like a turning point for us being able to work together on these things. Yeah, for sure. So I want to ask questions, but also kind of create some action steps or advice for those who are listening. And, and the first thing that I want to ask you about is, is kind of like the timeline and the order of operations of things, because I think there can be some variability. Like my question, for example, is should someone who has debt, should the first thing always be to pay it off? Or is there ever a case where like, it's more important to save for retirement than to pay off debt? Like, how do you determine what thing you should do first? Yeah. One of the things that has really worked for us and also for other people that we've kind of helped in this process is you don't necessarily have to choose, right? There's a way to kind of meld this together according to the priorities that you have for your 
for your financial life and your overall goals. The one thing I will say is that, especially with retirement planning and, and like 401k, 403b investments, right? The biggest leverage you have is time, mm-hmm. right? So you don't want to delay making those initial investments if you can, right? And usually like if you have some kind of an employer match to those retirement investment accounts, you want to contribute at least up into that amount, right? Because that's like the free money, quote unquote, right? If you're vested. So that's where I always say, like, if you can just do that small percentage, even if you want to focus on debt, because that's a really important value for you to become debt free and and have that kind of that freedom to to free up that money, um, you, you want to at least be having something going on in the background to leverage that time on your side. So another cool thing about our financial journey is that we were able to kind of pay off our debt. So we became completely debt-free from the point of my graduation from grad school, which was 2017, in four and a half years. We were completely debt-free, but we also did that while we were saving regressively for retirement. So we were doing about 15% and we made a lot of investments in our home. My husband bought a foreclosed home um, and basically redid the whole thing. So it was a lot of cash investments, right? We didn't have a lot of like mortgage, you know, to take out on it. But I think that just speaks to like the beauty of like being able to, if you get really clear on your values and what your financial goals are, both short and long-term, you can find a way to weave these things together. So you're not necessarily sacrificing one goal for the other. And you can continue to make progress on a number of fronts. Yeah. And, and that's, I love that because you're basically telling people it's empowering, right? You're empowering people to decide what is the right plan for them. And that, yes, if you want to do two things simultaneously, you can do two things simultaneously where, you know, some of the finance gurus are very prescriptive in terms of the things that you must do and, you know, delay retirement so that you can pay off all your debt, which may not be smart for someone who is already in their Mm thirties or even their forties when they're, Mm -hmm. you know, coming to this reckoning of, wow, I got to get my finances in order. I've got a lot of debt, right? Like, you know, maybe someone who is 22 can, you know, do that and justify it because they're still going to have plenty of time you know, in the market, quote unquote, with their investments to take advantage of that compounded interest. But yeah, that's probably why I have not necessarily shied away from some of the, you know, uh, more popular financial educators, but just taking everything with a grain of salt, because, you know, every, anything that's prescriptive, that's like, everybody must do it this way. Uh, we're all, we're all different. We have different circumstances. We have different values and priorities. And I don't think that's really, that's necessarily fair. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that Oh yeah. You know, people can go about it. And like you said, like what is most aligned for them? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about what we do in healthcare, right? We have right. guidelines and they say, do these things. Does it ever happen hundred percent like that? Absolutely no. not. Right. I mean, I could have the most brilliant plan to treat my patient's diabetes, right? But if they're not going to do it, if it's not going to work for them, if they're not motivated, I mean, it's dead in the water, right? Right, So I think the same thing has to be applied for finances, which is why, you know, I always start with that value piece, right? 
going back to like, what are your values? What are your core goals for money? What do you want money to do for you in your life? Right. Cause this is money is a tool. And I know everybody talks about, you know, it's a very like lingo type thing, you know, like how oh, money's a tool, but it really is a way to fuel what's important to you. And that means you have to get clear on what's important to you first, <laughs> right. right? Because otherwise the money is going to go anywhere, right? If you have those values and then you get really honest with yourself about your behaviors, the same thing is the way we talk about with our patients, right? You know, like, are you really going to take this medicine? You're really going to follow this, you know, plan to stop smoking? Like, how is this going to work in your life? When you really start to address that behavioral component, then, like I said, the rest of it just falls into place because you're not struggling with making this decision of, should I buy this thing or not? You know, is this aligned? Yes or no? Boom, decision made, right? right? And it's just, you don't have all these money leaks that are happening in your monthly kind of budgeting and money flow. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like, it's amazing when you look at it and you're like, I had all this money and I didn't know that it was there because I was just letting it go willy-nilly and I wasn't being, you know, consciously aware of it and intentional with where it was going. So that kind of goes back to that being in the driver's seat. This is your money. This is your life. Okay. There's a lot of people that are going to try to tell you what to do with that money. There's going to be a lot of social influences about how you should be living your life. But at the end of the day, you got to be true to yourself, right? Because I don't know if you, you know, people work in different fields in medicine, right? But like, we're very much in reality of like, we are all going to die someday, right? And I hate, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but <laughs> we are all going to die. So it's like, what, what do you want to do in this lifetime? And, and how are you going to live out your authentic truth? And, and how can you make it so that, you know, this amazing tool of money can help you get to those goals and live that out? Yeah. Hmm. I love that. So let's have, let's give some advice to some of our listeners who are in the category of they, they're not debt-free. They have student debt. Like what are two or three action steps or pieces of advice that you recommend, um, they do maybe after they've looked through, uh, and, and, and thought about, you know, their overall goals and and kind of their, Mm -hmm. their vision. Yeah. So the first thing is to get really clear on the type of loans that you have, right? And looking at this is federal loans versus private loans, like really just getting clear on like, what are the terms of these loans? What's the interest rate? What are my opportunities for paying this off? So like, you know, I had a student loan that was a nursing specific one that if I like submitted my, you know, employment status, I was able to cancel it out. Right. Do not consolidate that loan. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. if it consolidates, all those benefits go away. Right. Right. Little things like that, like really getting to know your loans. Okay. So are there any special components to the loan terms that would give you an advantage for payoff? And then one of the things that really helped me in terms of making progress on the loans is again, going back and putting yourself back in that position of like power and confidence with your money is I made it so that I had the lowest loan payment, monthly payment that I could get, right? Even if that meant extending the term of the loan, because I knew I was going to be paying this off accelerated, right? So I trusted myself that that was not going to be a problem. But that way, if I had a tough month, you know, my car broke down and I had to put, you know, some serious money into something, some other unexpected expense came up, 
I was deciding how much of that loan payment was going to get paid. Mm. Right. So, you know, I had, I had the number in my head that I knew I was going to pay for that loan to get paid off. And then I had the number that the, the, you know, the bank was telling me I had to pay every month. And so by creating that margin, it made it so that I just did not feel the amount of stress about those loan payments every month. It was easier for me to confidently pay that off and know that I could handle things if they came my way. So those are some initial things to kind of look at and think about in terms of like specifically student loans, but then also the same thing for car loans. You know, I chose a a longer term car loan because it would give me a lower monthly payment and then I'd have the flexibility of paying it off on my own time, you know? So yeah, I always say, get to know your loans really well. And then I usually, you know, there's like the debt snowball, right? We've got all these like popular ways of paying off debt in terms of interest rates, how you prioritize it. Once you kind of look at what advantages each loan might have, then that's when you can kind of go down into the interest rates. And that's, I mean, I do think that paying off the highest interest rate is going to be your, your best bet just from like a numbers game when you look at, you know, the value of your money over time. So I usually tell people chip away at that highest interest rate once you've kind of separated out which ones you've got. So it sounds like there's no getting around it. (laughs) One of your first (laughs) steps is to actually make a list of all the loans that you have, Mm -hmm. the terms of the loan and the interest rate and the balance and get to know it. I feel like it's easy to, easy to avoid these things, right? Like if you're an avoidant type of personality and you're not great with your finances, this can seem uncomfortable, but, uh, but I think that what you're trying to say is that we want to challenge you to feel empowered of knowing your financial situation Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling, you know, a victim of it. Mm -hmm. I think just that little mindset shift can be really life-changing when it comes to how you approach money and approach your finances for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was really, you know, for me initially having some of those experiences early on in my life, I was just like, oh, like I I really want to be in charge of this, right? Like I don't want to be the victim of these credit card companies or these banks telling me what I can do with myself. And that was a huge motivator for me to get real about a lot of things with the student loans and everything else. So yeah, absolutely. Okay. So now for our listeners who maybe don't have student debt or they're debt free, or they are curious about retirement planning and investing some pieces of advice for them. Yeah. So I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but once people are debt free, it's really like, what do you want to grow? Right. So for some people that's going to be like, Hey, I want to retire early. And I want to start thinking about, you know, how can I strategically invest in the market, right? You know, whether that is, you know, just by, you know, with traditional retirement vehicles or doing brokerage accounts, right? There's a lot of different ways you can go about it. Another thing is, you know, do you want to, uh, you know, especially if you have family, right? Thinking strategically about like, you know, 529s, do you want to be funding something else for your children or your family? Is it important to you for them to go to private school, right? Do you want them to go to Catholic school or something like that, right? Like how do we channel money into a a place that's going to be supportive of the way you want to live your life? Yet for others might be, you know, maybe moving into a different home and making a significant real estate investment for that. So I think once 
most people achieve becoming debt-free, right? Um, which is not everyone's initial goal. So like, I just want to put that out there too. If debt is no longer part of the equation, then it really is, you know, where do you want to go next, right? I usually tell folks to seriously give thought to investing, especially if you're like in your thirties, because you do have that time, that time leverage we were talking about to really invest and take advantage of market gains over decades of your life. So I think that should probably be a component of everyone's strategy, but the beauty of getting clear on your values is that you decide what the next steps are going to be. And it can be pretty exciting after that. Yeah. My personal kind of vision or goal I'll share is that I don't want to work forever. I, and I don't want to work into my older adult years. So when I kind of went through my experience of figuring out what my financial goals were, and and this was after I was married and that was really the, the vision for me and for my husband too, you know, we don't want to work past 60 years old and ideally past 55, unless we're doing, you know, passion project type work that we're really excited about. So that's definitely been our primary focus of, okay, how can we put as much money as possible into retirement uh, vehicles and brokerage accounts and take advantage of time in the market and, and gains over time? Because really there are like safe ways to put your money into uh, into retirement accounts and it will get bigger. Like you don't have there, you don't have to play any game. You don't have to play any games. Like you just need to put money into these accounts early and often and just sit back and it will, it will grow. So. Yeah. Right. Like it's really sexy right now to talk about like crypto and oh, all these yeah. things. Right. And I just like want to throw up when I hear people talking about this as a, as a real financial option for people. No, it is not. It's gambling. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I mean. like, it is truly gambling. And if you want it, and that's the thing, if say you're like, Hey, I want to play around in the market. I got some money. I, I just, I'm going to lose it all. I'm cool with it. Then go ahead and do that. Right. <laughs> but you know, when you're talking about, you know, like your plan for, you know, freedom to do what you want with your life life. Yeah. Like definitely leveraging that time is going to be huge. And I think that the reason why I'm so passionate about like getting into the nitty gritty of like the values and behavioral decision-making and then like the monthly budgeting and creating a plan for strategic savings and all this kind of stuff is because that's the foundation that's going to fuel whatever you're going to do, no matter what your values are and your choices are. Right. And whatever may come your way. Because one of the biggest things that I've always thought about is we can have this great strategy for our life and these goals, but like there's always the unexpected, right? You know, maybe we have a parent we need to take care of or a child that becomes sick or ourselves become become disabled, right? And being able to know the core of your finances to the point where like I can confidently say that if I lost my job tomorrow or my husband lost my job tomorrow or we wanted either one of us wanted to stop working to do something else, you know, whether it was personal or for caregiving, something for our family, right? I know exactly how much money I need to have to pay my bills. I know that I've got savings that are going to help me for six months to a year, right? So that I can always make a choice that is going to be aligned with who I am and what is important to me because the money is there to support it. 
And having that peace and security and confidence, I mean, you can't really put a price on that, you know? And that's why I'm so passionate about getting this, like the core information out there, right? Because it's such a crowded market, right? Like there's so many people talking about what you should be doing, but I wonder how much are really people reflecting on the whole point of it all, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like you were talking about having that freedom goal of being able to do what you want with your time. Yeah. 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 I think I agree with you. There's, there's so much noise of how we should earn our money, how we should spend our money, you know, and so much of it is short-term focused, right. And so much of it is like marketing and advertising. And, you know, there are people who are, who are in our, in our pockets and in our wallets, whether we want them to be or not. And that's just, you know, a whole other conversation about Mm -hmm. capitalism and all that, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, I, I really think that, if you are someone who wants to feel confident and competent with, with your finances, then, you know, that's, I I feel like this type of information is, is part of the responsibility that comes with earning money and spending money. And, you know, I think it's the gift that we can give ourselves to be as educated as possible in terms of what we can do for ourselves in our financial position. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I also think about the legacy, you know, yeah. for our families and our kids. I think about that all the time with my son and I'm going to be having another a child soon, a little baby girl. And I just think about that too, about being able to, you know, give them a different way of approaching this situation than maybe what our previous generations had. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Audrey, this has been such a lovely conversation. I always love chatting with you, but this has been especially, especially fun. Tell the good listeners where they can connect with you or learn more from you if that's an option. Yeah. So I have an Instagram account. So Align Success NP. And we're currently just doing one-on-one work because, you know, we're going to be expecting our second child soon. So we're trying to keep this manageable right now, but you can contact us at alignedsuccessnp at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you're interested in learning more. And, you know, like I said, this has just been such a passion project of mine to kind of share this with other nursing professionals, other NPs, because I think, you know, we have such an amazingly talented group of people here as nurse practitioners and nurses, right? And um, I want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to take that passion of theirs and turn it into something that's going to fuel their dreams. So I'm really, really oh, grateful to be it. able to talk to people about this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just, it just really, it really shines through when you talk about it. So it's just it's <laughs> such a delight to, to be on the receiving end. And I'll make sure that uh, your Instagram handle and your email address are both in the show notes so that folks can easily click through and go ahead and connect with you. So thank you, Audrey. This has been so wonderful. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. 
I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.